0: Hello and welcome to the Forefront of Automation, brought to you by Intradium, where you will learn from your peers how companies are leveraging automation to increase efficiencies and improve the customer and agent experience.
1: Welcome to the second episode of the Forefront of Automation workforce heroes. I'm Matt McConnell, CEO of Intradium. This podcast is the forum for contact center professionals, where we can share their challenges and shine a spotlight on their success stories. Today, we get to hear from Kevin Jolliffe, a longtime resource planning executive from one of Canada's largest telecommunications companies. He's interviewed by Bill DePaulo, a highly tenured finance and resource planning executive from one of the largest financial services companies in the United States. In this episode, they discuss a lot of relevant topics impacting contact centers today. Of course, the impact of the pandemic, the status of work from home, the use of intelligent automation, and much more. Operating a contact center is hard work. There's a lot of pressure, maybe nowhere higher than on resource planners. I always say that resource planning is like walking a tightrope. On one side is finance, and on the other is operations. If a resource planner staffs the contact center too rich, finance is mad at them. If they staff it too lean, operations is mad at them. And the reality is, resource planners, contact centers have many cues, so resource planners have many tightropes to walk every day and i say what does a resource planner get if they get to the end of the day and they've successfully walked all those tight ropes they get to come back tomorrow and do it all over again and imagine doing all this during an iphone launch or black friday or a data breach or a pandemic resource planners do that all the time thank goodness we have smart Capable leaders like Kevin and Bill. Let's listen in now to what these two workforce heroes have to share with us today.
2: Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. Uh, great to uh, be catching up with you again. I know both of uh, both of us have spent uh, plenty of time in our careers running a running large contact centers, but you know I'd really be interested in in kind of getting your your viewpoints. Uh, around the challenges that, you know, you're seeing out in the marketplace today? Maybe if you could compare and contrast running contact centers uh, pre and, and, and post this uh, this pandemic. Yeah,
0: for sure, Bill, and great to hear your voice. It's been a while. You know, I think starting with the second piece of that in terms of comparing and contrasting the environments, you know, I think pre, pre-COVID, pre uh, you know, as we finished off 2019 and we're getting into 2020, you know, I think a lot of organizations were in a in a similar sort of phase where they were evaluating their long term uh, roadmaps in terms of technology and facilities, et cetera, and and uh, you know, a lot of organizations were were dipping their toe in the water in terms of remote agent models and how that was going to look, and probably had some sort of roadmap and scaling up plan that they were methodically navigating through uh, in you know and probably at a slower pace than a lot of people would have wanted to move over security and compliance concerns and the other logistics so we all know what happened and, uh, as a fast follow to that in in early 2020 of course uh this pandemic hit and of course we had to do a flash cut over to the remote agent world and so it really put everything on fast forward so the best laid out plans kind of got turned upside down and uh, a huge portion of last year was spent around, of course, the huge task of mobilizing and all the logistics associated from a technology and personnel perspective of, of uh, again, for the safety of front lines and support teams, getting everybody in a safe environment in the, in their homes. And, and how do we do that as well so quickly while maintaining that, that security and that protection of customer information?
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. So, uh, Since the last involved, a lot less, sounds like a lot less uh, focus necessarily on getting that next one half of percent, next percent of of productivity, which makes sense a lot more on the agent. Uh, And how about the agent engagement? I think,
0: you know, now that we've had some runway and uh, I guess we're about a year for for most organizations with the fully cut over remote agent model, organizations are beginning to quickly realize that. This is uh, much easier said than done in terms of keeping the, the front lines consistently engaged uh, and supported, as well as sustaining culture. And, uh, you know, I think it's critical, the ones that are starting to realize this are, are quickly seeing the importance of introducing intelligent automation into their environments to ensure that that required level of support. And engagement is there, you know, Uh, the one thing I've learned over the years from deploying remote agent models is, you know, that the simple thinking is who doesn't want to work from home, you know, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. And just by enabling that environment, uh, you know, organically, your performance, and all your metrics are going to be where you want them. But quite to the contrary, I've learned some tough lessons again, long before the COVID challenges that, that putting a person home doesn't equate to superior performance or might not even equate to a performance on par with bricks and mortar without the right process enablement and automation. And if you think about, again, in a pre-COVID world, folks doing an at-home model, you have the luxury of kind of more methodically profiling and making sure that people that are going to work from home, A, want to do it and, and B, have the right sort of profile and wiring to to work in isolation with the the peer group. So what we have now with COVID is this flash cutover. It's hard enough to do when you got the right profile of person, but now you've also got some folks that are probably not at all comfortable in their environment. They didn't ask to work from home, and they might not have the right wiring. There may be people that succeed much better in a traditional bricks-and-mortar environment where they have their peer group. And they've got that support network with them when they're needing that assistance. So again, it's just critical to, to recognize that and, and to leverage automation wherever possible to ensure that that sort of engagement is turbocharged for lack
2: of a better word. Very helpful. Thank you. And then what about now that we're into well into 2021, what are you seeing as kind of the shift into the current trends in the industry?
0: Yeah, it's a good question, and uh, um, there's a few things here. So I think even before, again, pandemic turned everything upside down, the trend that, that many of us are seeing across the industry is contact types are becoming much more complex and, and much longer. And, you know, and this is being driven by a number of factors, not limited to, but including things like deflection of simple contact types to self-serve digital channels, I think we're getting a lot better with process improvement, which is deflecting uh, unnecessary contacts. Of course, artificial intelligence and robotic process automations played a role. But one of the one of the bigger factors here is I think the light bulb's gone off, and there's been this transition uh you know away from kind of more of an efficiency obsessed environment to you know a real concerted effort to improve both the employee and the customer experience and one of the things that organizations have been really focused on is is removing friction from the um, customer experience and, and achieving you know first contact resolution whenever possible and you know one of the things we've done there is again given the front lines the autonomy And the time that they need to get that issue resolved on the first time with quality versus rushing through and be focused on handling time or other uh, contact um, metrics like that. So there's this paradigm here where that's gone a long way again to move the needle on uh, customer satisfaction and employee engagement. But it's put incredible inflationary pressure on, again, time to resolve contacts. And then you sprinkle in this remote agent environment and that's only adding more pressure where again, companies haven't necessarily introduced the required process evolution and automation. And that's maybe even compounding even further the time it takes to get resolution as, um, as some of the dispersed frontline agents and support teams just don't have that peer group support that they're used to in the bricks and mortar environment. So all of this has really snowballed into much longer contacts um, you know as, as one trend that we all need to keep a close focus on. and you know and um, sometimes less is more from a, from again a customer engagement perspective. A customer we have to value their time, respect their time. they're not always looking for a longer contact. So the ability to navigate these more complex contacts more crisply, Uh, which also translate to efficiency is critically important to build off the themes of some other uh, trends. They're more driven by COVID and I've already alluded to some of these, but again, without the sort of seamless process evolution to, to support the uh, remote agents uh, we're seeing overall from a productivity and engagement perspective that there's been in many cases, some degradation there and even things that you would expect to improve like working at home and the convenience associated with it, things like scheduled adherence and absenteeism, it's, it's not a slam dunk that those things again are gonna organically stay the same or improve. And many organizations are seeing quite to the contrary that they've seen some degradation in those areas. And a final trend that, that I'm seeing is again, keeping in mind it's not just the, the employee side that's been impacted, the way customers are behaving is very much different. I think we're seeing very much different calling patterns uh, across uh, the various verticals. And we're also seeing different sort of scheduling preferences from our front lines now that they're not maybe having to commute in to busy urban areas. They're, they're at home. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more flexibility we can tap into. and and, you know, maybe start to look at uh, something almost resembling an Uber scheduling model to get more flexibility, number one, and two, to better align our supply and demand as that's changed.
2: Thanks, one thing that comes up while you were talking, I was thinking was to go back maybe from 2010 to 2017 when you were thinking of talking about the call to flexion and the customer uh, behavioral patterns that we used to try a lot, probably more more carrots than sticks on trying to get customers to uh, to move more digital or lower cost channels, but weren't all that relatively successful during that time period. Are you seeing anything around, maybe is the, is the technology uh, getting a little bit better uh, that's uh, allowing customers to interact in a more digital manner with, with companies? Uh, or are you maybe seeing that the customers are just maybe not having a carrot, but actually companies using a stick or maybe the third thing being just that customers are just more uh, willing to now. Uh, maybe it's because of COVID uh, and, and long, long wait times, maybe sometimes with, from an at-home perspective or, or service interruption because people aren't sitting there in the centers, just more willing to to interact over a digital channel. Any, any thoughts on, on yeah. why some of those uh, call deflections to lower, or I should say maybe call deflections to lower cost seem to be improving?
0: Yeah, I really think it's a combination of factors. So do I think the technology's improved? I do think to some degree it's improved. And I think, you know, chatbots are becoming a more, you know, again, for simple, repetitive um, contact types. um, You know, I think they're playing a bigger role. I think that's evolved. Um, so, So, yeah, I think to some degree, yes. But I can't emphasize enough, you know, I think the customer is really kind of has more channel options, uh, but it's very deliberate and selective on channel. And if, if they're thinking that there's any sort of complexity, you know, I think they're well-trained in terms of if they can get quick resolution through uh, an automated or a digital channel, uh, that's going to be the channel of choice. But the second they feel like they can't, uh, make no mistake, the human voice interaction is alive and well. It's, it's here to stay. And, you know, and I think that's exactly what's happening, and that's why the you know the contact center again isn't going away, but the the nature of the of the interactions is just getting much more complex and longer as we have more success at offloading the, the simple contact types. So it, it, overall, I think we're getting a bit smarter. I think the technology's evolved. I think we're doing better with automation. Uh, but again, it's it's really at the end of the day. Um, what it's doing is it's removing, simple, you know, absolute contacts may be going down, but contact minutes that are handled and have human dependencies uh, aren't going down nearly as much. And in many cases are either flat or could even be going up again as the more complex stuff um, continues to be handled by a, a traditional voice and, and tends to take much longer.
2: Thanks for your insights there. And then finally, with all the all the moves to a more work from home model. When you're talking with uh, clients, customers, and prospects, any any thoughts on how they're they're kind of just getting their their heads maybe wrapped around stuff like information security and 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 compliance? I mean that that obviously doesn't go away just because the servicing model changes.
0: Yeah, I think you know it's funny. I've done quite a bit of work with with companies that they're extremely concerned in those areas, like financial institutions, being the obvious example. And you know they they. Okay they've been incredibly hesitant. Uh, you know, I think they've had a desire to, to move to, to some degree to a remote agent model. Of course they were, they didn't get a free pass either. They had no choice, but to do it. So I think from that perspective, they're realizing, you know, a remote agent model is definitely sustainable and doable and it can be done in, in a safe way. Um, you know, but like anywhere, there's going to be, um, risks and vulnerabilities there's going to be fraud uh but so i think the the first thing is okay this works and this can be done uh but of course there's you know i think again now that that the the, the, the contacts getting a to b the technical logistics are done uh the, the what we're seeing a big focus on now in is again performance enablement through through the introduction of automation as well as tightening up and shoring up and we're always trying to get better with security and compliance so um that is becoming a, a focus and you know there's a wide range of of solutions folks are looking at you know um you know doing automated webcam audits within the home environment uh is, is something uh, lots of organizations are doing and finding they have to do and should be doing on a regular basis, you know, facial recognition to make sure it's the right person logging in your company systems is is something organizations are either doing or looking at. Um, leveraging automation for unauthorized uh, logins to company systems outside of a schedule shift and making sure that in real time it's flagged and addressed. Uh, these These things are all, really critical and when you lose that line of sight that you're so accustomed to in a bricks and mortar environment you lose the ability to have quote-unquote a clean desk policy where an agent's not uh, you know necessarily pen and paper on desk or a mobile phone where they're taking pictures um, you know uh, you got to substitute and leverage whatever automation we can to offset those risks of losing that line
2: of sight, so I think we're quickly adapting to that, but there's still a ways to go. Maybe one one last question for you, uh, and hopefully, I think we're all cautiously optimistic that the world is kind of on the other other side of this uh, pandemic and things are uh, returning. Maybe a quote back to normal. Um, any thoughts or insights you, you can you can glean from whether or not the, some of these trends that you were talking about are are temporary, or do you feel like they'd be they're going to even be more permanent uh, when we when we do uh, kind of again get quote back to normal.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the the trends where I talked about the the impacts of of call deflection and automation and, and longer contact types, and, and frankly, uh, uh, an almost increased importance of the human voice interaction. I think that's here to stay. And you know, when we back up and we look at the bigger picture of Um, what's the trend or what's the uh, world going to look like when things quote unquote normalize between um, working environments, you know, bricks and mortar versus remote agent. You know, I think remote agents here to stay, I think where there's not a consistent answer is, you know, what's the mix going to look like? Uh, You know, I don't think there's a right answer to that. Uh, I have almost daily discussions throughout the industry on this and, and the folks I'm talking to absolutely have a long-term plan to keep some degree of a remote agent model in place, and uh, almost equally consistently, what I'm being told is the end-state model when things normalize is going to be a mix of both remote agent and bricks and mortar. And again, how that mix looks uh, varies quite dramatically depending on what vertical I'm talking to and, and who I'm talking to. But you know, I think. The ability right now to get this right and, again, to virtualize and automate processes and shore up some of the challenges that folks are having with remote agent, it's critically important. Because if you're able to crack that and get that right now, you're earning the right to, to either keep all your uh, front lines in a remote environment or at least some of them. And by doing that, uh, you know, there's that's going to give you competitive advantage. It dramatically increases your labor pool. There's going to be an ability to realize some labor arbitrage. You're going to get better quality uh, frontline agents. Again, you just have a larger pool to to select from. You're going to improve your retention. And all this is going to translate to both a better employee and and customer experience. Uh, So I think Again, organizations that are taking that second step of tightening up their processes and evolving from their bricks and mortar to 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 knock this out of the park now they're going to be in a great spot and and they're going to be able to dictate uh, again just to what degree do they repatriate versus uh, leaving a, a longer term remote agent model in place.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, that's, that's great, Kevin. I appreciate your uh, your insights and as always enjoyed uh, catching up and talking with you.
0: Yeah, Bill, great talking. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for your time today, and we'll talk soon.
2: Take care now. Be safe.
0: Thank you for listening to the latest episode of The Forefront of Automation. For more information, please go to www.intradium.com or contact us at intradm.com. All content of this podcast is copyright 2021 by Intradium.